0: while insisting he was not intoxicated, could not explain his nudity. I'm not normally a praying man. But if you're up there, please save me, Superman. Let's face it, this is not the worst thing you've taught me about. Hi, welcome to the Crisis on Infinite Midlines podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. (laughs) Every week, I sit here and just wait to see what you're going to throw <laughs> on your own introduction, and the day's going to come where it's some perverse form of space lust that I don't even know what that's going to sound like.
1: I know that this is a an audio uh, format, so nobody just watched me look at you as though I was a dog hearing an odd noise when well, you said that. <laughs> I mean, you
0: put such emotion <gasps> into the, I'm Amanda, <laughs> that... It, and I'm just I'm just it, so happy to be here. It's just one of these things that uh, eventually you're going to have to go out into weird places to keep it up, or experiment with serious narcotics. I like Plan B. I'm Amanda, and the walls are bleeding.
1: <laughs> can't stop my hands from shaking.
0: Well, that's because of yesterday. <laughs> we are taping this later than usual on Sunday, because since we've done so many comic conventions over the last several weeks... This is the first weekend where we realized, wow, we really don't have a whole lot going on.
1: Yeah, we had all this free time yesterday, so we started drinking. Yeah, it was early. A, <laughs>
0: yeah, it, it was a choice early in the day of, okay, I can go upstairs and I can, you know, bag and board some books and keep clearing out the room to make it an honest to god studio, or we can go to our local bar and start drinking at two o'clock and then go on a John Carpenter Blu-ray binge for the entire evening, drinking steadily through the entire thing. It
1: seemed like a good idea while we were doing.
0: Oh, it, it was an excellent fucking idea. <laughs> I regret nothing I, I couldn't say that at ten o'clock <laughs> this morning, but right now I regret nothing. right.
1: we eventually slept most of it off. a little Mexican food fixes a wealth of sins, and it uh, does
0: as do the fine pale ales I'm <laughs> drinking right now to chase away the last of it. but yeah, I mean it was it was fucking awesome after weeks of you know nonstop get up early, go walk all day, see awesome shit, yeah, do fun stuff. But constantly moving and then be exhausted, it was just, uh, yeah, fuck it, let's hammer a few down, and I haven't seen Escape from New York in six months, and (laughs) why not Big Trouble in Little China? And oh, the neighbors are pounding on the wall because of the subwoofer, let's give them a taste of the thing. (laughs) It's 11 o'clock, fuck them.
1: Parker, the office mascot, was upset by the Carpenter Marathon.
0: Oh, he, he he fled upstairs. He hates the Blu-ray sound. I, I don't. I don't <laughs> know I whether it's a subwoofer. Yeah, I don't know if it's the woofer or if there's something you know uh, higher in the tweets. Or you know, we've got an awesome system, but l- let's not pretend I really know what's going on under the hood with it. You know, yeah. floor shakes. Sounds awesome. <laughs> Cat hates.
1: Cat hates. <laughs>
0: so because of that, he didn't get a lot of play yesterday. So the combination of being cripplingly hungover for most of this morning and the cat having pent up energy it, it, he would constantly he would jump on the back of the recliner and pin his ears back like he saw jesus and just you have to help me Wow, around the that house that was
1: the look on his face he was, he
0: was and it's a terrible false alarm because if he keeps doing that i'm going to be on my heels when the actual alien xenomorphs attack <laughs> i can't have that
1: yeah yeah poor little guy
0: (laughs) so next weekend let's get drunk and watch the alien quadrilogy now i got a taste for that
1: no no next uh next weekend we'll have sin city uh deemed to kill for to see and doctor who
0: oh yeah we'll be dropping next weekend is going to be a big geek weekend yeah and and we're going to try to have a guest or some guests lined up to talk about that
1: or we'll just talk to the voices in our head or something
0: yeah (laughs) it's been working out for the last few weeks fuck it why not but but yeah, that's next weekend. This yeah. this week...
1: Sort of the lull before the storm.
0: Yeah, this week, nothing happened. Yeah. And this is something we've dealt with for the couple of weeks after every San Diego Comic-Con, you know, when we were running the website as you know, trying to yeah. be a news site. Once all the announcements at Comic-Con hit after a big convention season that really right now is just about over, people just shut up. They go home. They do what we <laughs> did. They go home and drink and sleep.
1: Yeah, this is the dead water no wind in the
0: sails. Yeah, I mean, all the the comic news sites that we follow, you know, were like fan theories of what might happen with <laughs> yeah. Cyclops in the coming weeks. And yeah,
1: people getting excited because George R. R R. Martin said something about something at some festival. And yeah, that was
0: No actual news, just he spoke and said, I'm trying, kids. I think (laughs) the most
1: exciting thing on Twitter today was Joss Whedon writing really bad robot porn and getting responded to by Warren Ellis.
0: Now, let's be fair, that was excellent robot porn. (laughs) I'm I'm still mashing a zipper because of that. Oh, God. (laughs) I'm all about the fleshy mouth hole. (laughs) Somebody please help me. <laughs> yeah, remind, me, remind me to put a link to that in the Fleshy show notes Flushy Mouth Hole Fleshy Mouth Hole okay that's a potential title we'll go with that don't think that'll get us kicked off iTunes sure but, but yeah it was just really the most newsworthy shit we kept seeing were these poor dupes doing the ALS ice challenge I've seen the entire cast of the Avengers and Guardians of the Galaxy yeah. covered in freezing water hot exciting but it's not don't look at me like that <laughs> But it's not something you can base an hour, hour and a (laughs) half radio show on. Uh, Even if we had the gear set up to put in the audio. I I liked Chris Pratt's
1: take on it where he pounded things that had the word ice in the name right before he got tons of ice water dropped
0: on him. True, but one of those is a Smirnoff ice and that's never a good choice.
1: You can only pound that because otherwise you have to taste it.
0: Yeah, it's... Uh, Nobody wants to do that voluntarily. <laughs> that makes Zima look like Jack Daniels. It's, it's Zima
1: just... is like the fruitcake of alcohol. You just bring it... Like somebody brings it to your party and it gets ignored. So then when you get invited, you bring it to their party and it gets ignored. And then they will bring it to somebody else's party and so on and so on.
0: This is a true story. When I was in college <laughs> in the early 90s, um, I had a buddy from Colorado whose dad worked at... Coors. <laughs> and he got an early pre, pre major distribution uh twelve pack of Zima that he brought back to school. Oh god. So he brought it to a party. He's like, this is the new thing from Coors. It's like cle- it's invisible beer. Invisible beer. <laughs> so we were like, you know, we were broke. We were all drinking natural lights and fucking hands. It's like, wow, this is an actual Coors product. Give me one. And it's just <laughs> it tastes. We didn't know. <laughs> nobody knew. We were the <laughs> guinea pigs. Ah. If they'd listened to us, nobody would have had to have a zima. But it just—it tasted like disappointment and sadness. <laughs> and it was like, all right, this is a buzz maintainer. I'm going back to the hams. It was disappointment and sadness implies that it tasted like something. <laughs> It's—I uh, don't. Uh, yeah, it was just a big mouthful, hoping at least a—you know—you'd say what you want about Coors Light. It—it it doesn't taste like much, but it's not offensive. <laughs> This is, you know, you just keep pouring it down your head and, you know, eventually you grope up on somebody. It's that's what it's for in college. But you know, the Zima. All right. We got a quality. Pro- what the fuck just happened to my face? I don't. Oh, it was just.
1: OK, so Zima versus
0: OK Soda with say a shot of
1: like Everclear in it. Which would you rather?
0: Look, I'm middle aged now. I got a job. I got money. I don't need to deal with these <laughs> hypotheticals anymore. <laughs> It's, uh, I mean, at
1: least okay soda is just
0: okay. <laughs> no, it's not. It was fucking horrible. My God, I'd rather... So Zima, then? No, old crow bourbon, chased <laughs> with old Duke wine. <laughs> Jesus. It tastes like punching a policeman. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Didn't want to get off on a tear about Zima, but it's <clears> true. I had Zima before anybody else, and there were. that is the only time at a party where there were dudes that an entire 12-pack of Zima was drunk. Because we didn't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, let me just get the imaginary taste of Zima out of my mouth of this fine whale's tail pale ale. Because you have a job. Because I have a job. <laughs> and because it's a built-in sobriety test. Because if you can't ask the bartender for a whale's tail pale ale without stumbling all over it... You're 86. It's time to go home. Mmm. <laughs> Tastes like what somebody human being would drink. <laughs>
1: I'll be having scotch later.
0: I, I don't know. <laughs> How the fuck did we get here?
1: <laughs> um, well, your mom and your dad loved you very much. No. They <laughs> loved each other very much, and
0: uh, I don't know. Yeah, I'm the definition <laughs> of oops, and that's not a thing we want to talk about right now. <laughs> but So yeah, it's, it, it's just been a weird week of nobody. Th- there's, there's really no comics news.
1: The Hugo Awards got announced today. For what it's worth,
0: well, that's just straight science fiction, right, which is yeah,
1: but there's a graphic uh novel or something in there,
0: all right, we'll dial it up because we ain't got much else We do th- best not true. graphic
1: story, time by Randall Monroe
0: See, I don't even know what that is yes, yeah I, yeah, that, you know they they always some of us just want our superhero <laughs> games ups. of
1: Game of Thrones, reigns of Castamere, beat out um Doctor Who. Um for what? For best uh where is it? Best dramatic presentation short form. It was going up against the Doctor Who anniversary episode, Day of the Doctor, and Orphan Black's variation under domestication.
0: Okay. I could make arguments for any of those.
1: Yeah, I and mean, you know the thing is I feel a little bad because I feel like Orphan Black is is always the bridesmaid. I mean in this case at least it got a nomination. <laughs>
0: I mean, it it did. Uh, Overall show quality, uh, I wouldn't put it up there with Game of Thrones. I mean, that show lives and dies by Tatiana. I will never remember her last name. Uh, Maslani, Sure. (laughs) But yeah, she's fucking genius at it. I mean, she's playing five, six, eight characters at once. Yeah. And while I question that trans character, uh, only because I'm not sure. Yeah, play a trans character who just happens to have long hair and... It seemed like...
1: Yeah. It it was more just for the sake of, look, everything. Everything is possible.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And certainly she played it well.
1: Yeah. I couldn't
0: have done that. I couldn't play any single one of those characters, (laughs) including the dude. (laughs) (laughs) And I have a ponytail and a beard. Gotta fuck that up. (laughs) So, yeah, based on that performance, that show's killer. It's always fun to watch. Yeah. That one I... Yeah, I'd put between Doctor Who and and Game of Thrones, and honestly, just based on production value, yeah, it ain't 1970s Doctor Who, where it's, you know, we turned a shoebox into a robot, uh, but (laughs) Game of Thrones is operating on HBO-level money.
1: I think K-9, they at least managed to find, like, a a case of beer or something and cover it in tinfoil, I
0: I think. It must have been, because if it was Zima, it would have been a lot heavier, because nobody would have drunk that shit. (laughs)
1: It's not like uh, K-9 was particularly aerodynamic. Um, no. I, I, You know, I think it's one of those things, though, you throw any show up against any other show on HBO, you just are going to run into problems. They've got more money to hire better writers and more production value
0: overall. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's been that way since at least the Sopranos. Yeah. So.
1: Um, and Gravity got Best Dramatic Presentation Long Form.
0: Okay, is it say what it was up again. See, I don't, we don't pay a lot of attention mm-hmm. to the Hugo's because we certainly read science fiction, but I get so many goddamn comic books these days. That's ninety percent of what I read.
1: I will, I will, as we are talking, try to see what I
0: can dig up. But, okay, because uh, uh, yeah, I keep meaning to subscribe to like Asimov Science Fiction Digest on my Nook, but it's one of those things they would stack up just like the fifty other books in there. Oh, that's a good sign when the first thing that shows up when you Google it or know the Hugo nominations weren't rigged. <laughs> It was on Scalzi's blog. <laughs> yes, John Scalzi. If you're not familiar science fiction, I read his stuff. I'm looking forward to Lock In coming out. Uh but this it'll... isn't
1: a list though, so it doesn't help me. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Clearly we were not prepared to talk about the Hugos. It was just sort of uh, that's that's how light it was. Here's here's a thing. Okay, a th- we yeah. can we can mention that right now real quick off the... This is what happens when you <laughs> when you do a show live to tape. Shit comes up.
1: Yes. Yes. Um it doesn't say what it was up against, yeah. but congratulations to all of you that won a Hugo Award. You're awesome, and I can't write, so good job.
0: That's <laughs> that's not true. It's like me. I I can write, just nothing with characters or plot or st- dick jokes. I can handle dick jokes. That's about my speed. <laughs> so, but yeah, the only other thing we really saw that was of any kind of note is you know some more details are coming out about Marvel's next event. Last event's not over yet. Original Sin seven of eight just came out this week, but we're already talking about uh, Axis. So, uh, yeah, it's, it, Amanda is still frantically trying to dial up who was who was nominated for what. Yeah. Uh, Let it ride.
1: I'm letting it ride.
0: Screw it. close it. Let yeah. it ride. Let's let's move on. At least at least we can talk about Axis a little bit. Yes. Tell me. In tell events me in general. About so this. yes. So yeah, there was a. Uh, uh, a thing online with some more details about uh, Avengers X-Men Axis, originally just Axis, and then somebody clearly realized oh, nobody's going to know what it's about.
1: Wait, but I, there's an A and an X in it.
0: I know, and it's Marvel. It's not that freaking hard, and boy, if only they had the ability to put pictures. Will there be the... Cyclops? Of course there's going to be Cyclops, because why not fuck things up with the character nobody awful
1: likes? awful Cyclops? <laughs>
0: yes, apparently there will be Cyclops. I'm sure this will be used as the is the uh, attempt to redeem him after being a dick and killing Charles Xavier for like the 14th time. I think he's been dead longer than alive at this point. Yeah. But so yeah, the the big reveal on this one uh is up to a point it's going to be the red skull using Xavier's brain to and various other things to flip characters motivations the the short form is turn good guys into bad guys and bad guys into good guys well we'll get to that in a minute
1: no wait wait are you saying that there's it's it's cheekily named it's axis and we've got like nazi dude red skull as our big bad
0: see i hadn't even thought that far
1: into oh it. Oh my god! It's like history repeating itself in the comics. And
0: I feel so beaten about the head and neck with events <laughs> from both these guys. It's hard for me to get whipped up one way or the other to look think, all that deeply.
1: I think Captain America is going to be significant. That's what I think.
0: Bullshit! <laughs> That's stupid and you're stupid I think for we saying we might see that. Bucky. <laughs> it's, it's possible. That I hear Magneto might have something to do. Oh god. But now apparently... Uh, Yeah, there's going to be uh, this thing called the inversion, and it's going to be uh, everybody gets their alignment twisted around. So it's not as simple as you know Captain America, you know, starts punching Obama. But
1: wait, so so Captain America might not be lawful good alignment. He might be like like lawful neutral or something.
0: (laughs) If it's a Flip, I imagine he'd be chaotic evil, assuming it's that kind of alignment. I want to see chaotic good, just capriciously, Wee! Justice for
1: everyone! <laughs> <laughs> he goes merrily skipping about. Free justice.
0: <laughs> I, I don't think they're playing by uh, D&D d four O rules, but...
1: I am now very taken with the idea of a chaotic good Captain America. <laughs> Wee!
0: <laughs> Deadpool. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Lawful good Deadpool just <laughs> screwing it up yeah. for everybody. <laughs> God
0: damn it, sir. I'm going to pay exact change for this chimichanga. <laughs> and here is 22% for you. Okay.
1: I'm going to pay him pennies. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, that's the worst possible thing a human being could do. That would make him history's worst monster. <laughs> <It's true. laughs> but no, uh, let's uh, go into my notes here. Uh, the inversion aspect has Remender twisting alignments around. It's not cut and dried. Uh, The quote is, Loki is somewhat of a center point. It twisted certain aspects of his character, um, but it's about specific alignments that are reverted uh, as opposed to, like it says, being as simple as good guy versus bad guy. So, kind of we have some of that going on already. In the latest Original Sin, whatever Nick Fury whispered to Thor made him unworthy, so now he's the unworthy Thor.
1: Yeah, and we don't know what he whispered. That bastard. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Saw your mama's titties. Like, yeah. No, no, I can't unsee them. Oh I'm yeah. unworthy.
0: Go to lemonparty.com.
1: <laughs> oh Jesus
0: <laughs> Seek two girls in now. No. <laughs> so yeah, I kinda like where you're going with this. <laughs> yeah, like the what what else are we gonna get? The <clears throat> irresponsible Spider Man. <laughs> no, we've had that. He, that that's how he got just, to be Spider Man. He, he rips bong hits and <laughs> Watches Game of Thrones. Yeah, like
1: apathetic Spider-Man. Like, he's got like a roommate that he, he'd go get beer and cleaning products. Yeah.
0: No, he only <laughs> uses his power to get his own beer and cleaning products. <laughs> and just walks past the ladies getting mugged in the fucking street.
1: <laughs> Don't condescend me, man. I'll, I'll kill fucking you.
0: kill you. <laughs> yeah, we, Maybe we get Captain America. The communist Captain America. <laughs> <laughs> it can't be Captain Nazi. DC already had one.
1: Captain Commie. <laughs> Captain Comi, Writing it down. All right, that
0: works. Get Luddite Iron Man. <laughs> I have a stick. It's a stick of justice. You sure do, buddy. <laughs> what else can we get from that? Powerless Man. Powerless <laughs> Man. Less Wonderful Man. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's not that fucking wonderful to start with. Yeah. Iron Fisted. <laughs> Me- um, and meanwhile, Squirrel Girl gets extinction level powers.
1: Rumor has it she already does. Uh, there's like some weird cult around Squirrel Girl
0: that has uh, it has been festering. Yeah, that cult is called Furries, and <laughs> it's fapping, not festering.
1: <laughs> well, they they began to fap on the internet extra hard when it was revealed that recently. Um, Marvel put in to incorporate her trademark so that nobody else can use that for something and it, it it could be as minor as Squirrel Girl will be showing up in the Netflix uh Luke Cage thing because we know she's the babysitter for for Luke and Jessica's kid. Yeah. But other people are like there's going to be there's going to be an unannounced female cameo in the new Avengers movie and maybe it's Squirrel Girl?
0: Oh, for Christ's sake. No. Pop, you- pop, pop, pop. <laughs> <laughs> don't ever make that sound again. It would be bad enough to hear it in real life. You're dumping it straight into my head through these fucking headphones. I now can't you're unworthy. <laughs> All right, we've solved it. I don't need to get issue eight now. I'm dropping it for my polls. It's Do no, you know where you drop Squirrel Girl? Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Rocket's got to get himself a piece. Who else? <laughs> um... I,
1: I think it would be funny just to watch Squirrel Girl and Drax try to have a conversation. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that would be one time where he could say, I like your ass, I'd like to wear it as a hat. And it could be taken completely literally.
1: Because he is going he, to be speaking literally.
0: He is speaking literally. <laughs> I don't know, what else could we get out of that?
1: Uh, what else could we get out of that? Let's see. Um, we could
0: get... Daredevil's got perfect vision and he's a pussy.
1: He doesn't want to be a lawyer anymore. man
0: without stones.
1: <laughs> um, Foggy can stand on his own two feet and doesn't need anybody.
0: <laughs> That's okay. We didn't need those wires. Just throw everything on the floor. <laughs>
1: um, Luke, yeah. Luke Cage has to get a straight job.
0: He, he has a straight <laughs> job. He's leading the Mighty Avengers. In like an office with a cubicle? No, that won't work. (laughs) Jesus Christ.
1: You said changing alignments and and changing it up, so.
0: Dr. Normal. Uh, (laughs) That (laughs) would be boring. He just runs a pill mill. (laughs) How many oxys you want? (laughs) 4,000? Great. Get out of (laughs) here. Don't need to
1: worry about how I can't use my beautiful hands to perform surgery. I got all the monies.
0: (laughs) I got to get paid.
1: Fuck bitches, make money. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, Peter Parker's married again.
1: <laughs> no, no, no. That'll be the one. The one step they won't take.
0: <laughs> yeah, because I mean that's the other thing. The, the, all this is going on. This event. We've already seen Spider-Man flipped when he was a uh, uh, Doc Ock. Yeah. Now they just brought him back. Dan Slott has. Spider Verse coming up, so he's going to have his own mini event going on at the same time as all of this that Axis is going on. And I always
1: question those. It's like, well, are these happening in conjunction with each other? Or is this happening in a pocket universe?
0: Is this? Yeah,
1: it's Peter Parker is about to have himself a really shitty day, even more so than usual for him. Well, if everything's happening at
0: once, and and it's it's part of the problem with the world of the constant. Event where one just seems to go into another and seems to go into another, and and before we even talk about that, you know, this alignment flipping, we've we've tried to have a little fun with it for the last <laughs> few minutes. Does this sound really all that? I mean, it sounds a little bit interesting. If it's I think if it it's did... a good enough concept to try to poke fun at, there's at least something to it. You know, it's it's not enough for me to go, no, nah, I don't care at all. But we just came out of DC having an alternate version of the Justice League that's evil. Yeah. As we speak, they're doing Futures End, which is all fucked up and twisted versions of
1: Well, I mean, I think it makes sense to do it in this fashion um because it it's sort of in the Remender weird science fiction Captain America Pantheon of characters Wheelhouse, which he's been playing with. Yeah. You know, it and for some people that's been more successful than than for others. Um, I mean, there's 800 other ways they could have done this. They could have gone to, like, Universe uh, 619 or something. Or
0: <laughs> Yeah. I mean, Marvel doesn't do very much with whatever version of the multiverse they have. But, yeah, it could have easily been an Elseworlds kind of thing.
1: Yeah. Um, and they've already, they already kind of alluded to that sort of thing with some of the stuff that was going on um, with Secret Avengers, where they were taking on the Justice League analogs and whatever book
0: that... That's New Avengers. New yeah.
1: Avengers, I'm sorry. Um, so it's not like they haven't gone there.
0: <laughs> yeah, but it's, it feels like a concept that, particularly on the other side of the fence at DC, has been well explored. Yeah. Um, you can certainly do interesting things with it, and this is the kind of thing where I'd be more interested in the aftermath. You know, yeah. Yeah, Peter Parker, after he's done four Look, months worth of bong hits. And...
1: <laughs> I think if you're gonna go with, like, irresponsible slacker character as, like, a flip in alignment, you, you end up doing that to Black Panther. I'm just gonna walk away from my country. I'm just gonna, yeah, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just gonna keep walking. <laughs> gonna
0: buy me some scratch tickets.
1: I don't need you people. <laughs> um, it, but at the, I, I guess it, it's all gonna be in as with any story, the execution. Um, you know, how far will Remender be willing to take it, and how much sense will it make in the context of of whatever story he's trying to tell? I mean, we've already had an to a certain degree, an- enough characters who have acted seemingly um, out of sorts with how they would typically act without even having the excuse of mind control. <laughs> um, well,
0: well, like, who do you have in mind?
1: Well, I mean, I'm I'm going to take it as far back as Civil War. We had a lot of characters who acted completely out of character for no reason other than to, like, move stories
0: along. Well, and yeah, and that was a significant significant problem that required yet another event and a scroll invasion and yeah one yeah. or two surgical interventions to get Tony Stark at least right.
1: Yeah, so at the very least they have there as a cop out, you know, mechanical um excuse for why this is happening.
0: <laughs> yeah, and yeah, I've generally enjoyed what Remender's been doing in uh Uncanny Avengers. Uh it's not at the top of my list. I've been following it. Um I've been enjoying Captain America more since we got out of the uh, uh, the Zemo universe, but
1: Yeah. So it's really going to come down to how everything plays out cuz this is also going to be coinciding with, you know, the death of Wolverine and all of these other things that seem to be happening in terms of gimmick storylines. Yeah. <laughs> at the same time, you know, so is is Wolverine going to be a part of this, or is he going to be off in his own bubble, Box. dying, <laughs> or walking away, or whatever death means? Um,
0: like, yeah, and and that's the problem with these constant big ones because I've been I've been reading that series, um, and it yeah it just sort of feels like okay yep this is a thing that's happening you know we've got uh God who who's writing that series who's the guy who did Demon Knights uh, Paul Cornell yep um but yeah I mean that. He, he doesn't have a long history with the character, and we've talked about this before. This feels like, and it feels like this and has felt like this for a long time, particularly at Marvel, a little less so recently with DC, but I think the reboot, being its own huge event, kept them away from events for a while. Yeah. This feeling of once a year, we have our summit, everybody gets together and says, okay, we have to have an event. What are we going to do? Somebody come up with something just so we can have an event. right? And Axel Alonso says in every convention, it's like, you know, people talk about event fatigue. We're talking about it now. right? <laughs> At least that's where we're going toward. It's like, well, the people buy them. They, we wouldn't do them if people didn't buy them. Well, we're invested in these characters in this universe, and if this is what you're going to do, if we want to continue to be invested in these characters. We have to follow them through this shit.
1: Right. Although, you know, th- there will come a point, I think, where you'll get enough people who are just going to be like, ugh, really? I'll just wait till you're done, then I'll come back. <laughs> but But it's never done is the problem. It's one event leading into another event, into another.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's... Yeah. Spider-Man is a a good example as far as I'm concerned Superior Spider-Man was an extended limited event yeah that was a year a little more than almost a year and a half of here's this big thing that's going on and then we've had it's been since May so three months of here are some regular stories and we're going right into Spider-Verse yep now, I will buy into Spider-Verse because it will show me the Electro company Spider-Man. <laughs> that's part of what got me into comics.
1: And, and you know, that's fine. But, uh, you know, I'll just say it now. I was one of the people who jumped off when it became Superior Spider-Man. I didn't care. Um, as, as Spider-Man villains go, Doc Ock, other than his iteration in Raimi's Spider-Man 2, has never been my favorite villain to begin with. So uh, which is fair. I just waited it out. At some point it'll be collected in a trade and I'll read it all at once and take it on its own merits in in a big blurp at once.
0: <laughs> big blurp, you say. Big blurp. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, write that one down. That's got possibilities. But I didn't but... feel
1: like I wanted to slog through a year or so of the story, and I, I do understand that it is critically well received. I just didn't care.
0: <laughs> yeah. It, again, and and that's fine. It's uh, I liked it. I, I don't think I liked it as much as a lot of people did, but I stuck through it, but, you know, and it's one of those things, and you can say that it's a failing of a, a large section of comic fans that, oh, you're following the character and not the creators. It's not entirely true. There are creators that I follow from book to book, but there are characters yeah. that I'm invested in and that I'll stick with, and Spider-Man's one of them. Batman's another one.
1: Yeah, yeah, I I... Tend to do that as well for the bat books. I will I will follow them and read them regardless of what happens to characters. Yeah.
0: So if you're gonna take Spider Man and chuck him in a spacesuit and throw him into orbit, uh, make him Captain Universe and have him go out and fight Quasar, whatever the fuck. Please. Now there's an
1: alignment flip. I would read that.
0: Uh, actually, he was Captain Universe back in the '80s for a few issues. Back when uh, David uh, Micheli, which I'm sure I butchered that name. But <laughs> when Great. he was writing it,
1: now I have more shit to track down. <laughs> oh,
0: we got him. As I go through these long boxes, I'll show them to you. But-, but
1: you know that I would follow that. That makes sense. Peter Parker is a very bright young man. and has scientific background. Why couldn't he go into space?
0: <laughs> yeah, but yeah, if, if I was just pulling that out of my ass, is this is not the best idea for Spider-Man?
1: It's no more bizarre than Dazzler taking on Galactus, which also happened.
0: (laughs) That's true. And and everybody loves Power Man going after Dr. Doom. Where's my money, honey? (laughs) But, you know, because I'm invested in the character, I'll follow that. Now, that said, I've got my limits. The Clone Saga was my limit, and I stopped reading until the early 2000s. But... Comics in the '90s were as such. You know, I stopped reading a lot of stuff. My pull list got whittled way the fuck down. Yeah, when a lot of that went on,
1: as did a lot of people's. And you know, that's I think in part where now that Marvel and uh, DC are are so heavily partnered up with their other media partners, Disney for Marvel and uh, Warner Brothers has always been combined with. Uh, DC. DC, but now it feels they like they are so very much more in bed with each other so that they can each further each other's ends, that oh. you're not going to have that much of a misstep as you had in the 90s, but on the other hand, now it it's just events and events and events and events. Uh,
0: <laughs> yeah, and event storytelling, now that you put it that way, is occurring to me, is safe storytelling for the books. Hey, we can have these big things that don't really advance anybody, right? because everything goes back to the status quo. Uh, with these events, I mean the the big example that just screams out in my head is fear itself. Where in the second issue they killed Bucky, yeah, and before the thing was over, Bucky was alive again, and Thor was on his way back.
1: It just doesn't stick, does it?
0: <laughs> yeah, it's none of them really do. You know, Civil War they went to great lengths to undoosh Tony Stark. Yeah, took them a while, but they did it. You know, Secret Invasion did the. Same thing with a bunch of characters. All right, let's bring back uh, 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 Electra that <laughs> isn't weird and Jessica Drew. Scroll.
1: Ah, right. oh. yeah.
0: <laughs> so it's safe if you're just looking to maintain a property because nobody can really do anything. Yeah, you get these short burst things. It's, again, Superior Spider-Man is as big a change in status quo as I've ever seen. It's a good point, but. They're in a person in the world who didn't think that was not going to be retconned by a week before The Amazing Spider-Man 2 came out in theaters. Right. So it's part of the problem with these events. I'll read them because I want to follow the characters. Some are better than others. I'm enjoying Original Sin. I'm enjoying it as much as I have anything from Marvel on the event side, probably since Civil War. Civil War was deeply flawed, but... You know,
1: Original sin is interesting. Yeah,
0: but give Mark Miller credit. The, the, the dude who comes up with small idea comics, oh, if the superheroes fight and make that happen no matter what, all right, it was entertaining as long as you just shut big parts of your brain off. <laughs> True. No, it didn't make me any smarter, but it was fun to read. <laughs> but yeah, there's there's no stakes in these things. So it makes it safe, yeah, fine, have all these characters blow up and yeah, we'll just rebuild Manhattan next week. But yeah just the I mean that's the what events have worked for you?
1: What events have worked for me? I
0: mean the only event that has utterly worked that I will still read it's like yep, that had stakes, and I'm glad I read it with Crisis on Infinite Earths where it really brought everybody in. It brought everybody in it yeah. brought almost the entirety of d c history in, and the stakes were legitimate, you know destroying all universes is about this. Yeah, legitimate I mean, it, as you can get. Well, it opened with let's we're destroying earth 3 in front of your eyes and ended with okay, everything is very different now.
1: Well, that one really sets the bar though. I mean, it's, it's kind of hard to, you know, that one that, that one sort of when they did that, they broke the mold. You know, like you don't oh, yeah. get
0: bigger than that. And DC has tried. Yeah. You know, Infinite Crisis, really Superboy is punching reality stupid. Yeah, Final Crisis.
1: Batman shoots Darkseid uh, yeah I
0: buy that yeah and people have started to turn around on the initial pretty much everybody at least everybody I encountered when that came out said this is just not working and it's getting a certain amount of yeah. You know, oh no it really would read it all at once afterwards and just as I've been going through these books I'm know? having
1: I, I, honestly that was sort of the, the story arc that sort of made me say you know what I don't know that I need to read everything that has Grant Morrison's name on it anymore
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's written some great stuff, you know, but some of the stuff that is widely critically acclaimed that he's done just hasn't worked for me. Yeah. I was not a huge fan of his run on Batman. Right. You know, I'll put Snyder's run against it just as... Even Snyder's run has problems because that's another one. It's been almost exclusively events in the main Batman title since it started out, from yeah. Court of Owls to Death of the Family to zero year at at the very least though
1: he's managed to keep a, a general level of quality in the story so it's not it doesn't necessarily feel like it's dragged on and on mostly <laughs>
0: mostly zero year it was zero ge-
1: year i could have done without
0: oh uh, it, it was generally pretty good but yeah i think i don't think it needed to be as long as it was yeah um it certainly didn't thrill me the way Court of Owls and Death of the Family were really, they locked me in for those. Yeah, those were tight. Zero Year, I read it. It was enjoyable. I'm ready to move on to something else. Well,
1: the problem with Zero Year in general, though, is there's already so many people who have taken on origin stories.
0: Yeah, that's true. It's... And, it ain't going to get any better than Frank Miller's year one. Yeah. It just isn't.
1: It's You're, you're really setting yourself up
0: in a way. And, and I think that's part of why, and maybe it's just being a particular age, but part of why Grant Morrison's run didn't work for me was he was going back and embracing a lot of that 60s weird silver age stuff yeah. that, you know, being 43, which means I was a teenager when Dark Knight Returns came out, that was everything we hated.
1: There was a whole panel on that when we were at San Diego that talked yeah. about why they wanted to get away from that specifically. Yeah. Um, and
0: you know, being older, I recognize there is a certain amount of merit to those years of Batman. They were a product of their times, but
1: And that, I think, you know, Morrison's run with that opened things up. Otherwise you wouldn't have All Reds, Batman sixty six.
0: Um Yeah, which also is not
1: Well it's it's not for us. There there's apparently a segment of the population that likes that kind of kitschy, goofy batman and you know more power to him
0: great and that's fine yeah look i've said repeatedly on this show not every book has to be for me right it's good for comics if you're just appealing to me you're making a terrible mistake because i'm a busted human being and i only have so much money
1: so if somebody's run on that can create create that niche book for those readers that's great but then that gets back to the whole argument of then there's stuff that you have to slog through while it's in the mainstream of the continuity until they get done with it, yeah. and something new can happen. <laughs>
0: yep. Yeah. And it's. I keep meaning to go back and say, fine, I'll get the trades, and let me go through it in one big shot and see if it does more for me the than big it did. Big blurp. Big <laughs> fucking blurp. The biggest blurp you've ever seen, baby. <laughs> I'm Irish, that's not true. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it, it's just not a run that really worked for me. Yeah, that said... As big a mind fuck as it is, I'll stand by the Invisibles. I enjoyed Seven Soldiers of Victory. I like a lot of Morrison stuff. I'm looking forward to Multiversity.
1: I'm not. I well, mean, I I don't really have an opinion. It'll be there. I'll I'll probably read it when they collect it into a trade.
0: <laughs> well, then we can certainly get it that way. But so, all right. Now we've gone through a bunch of shit. Now this didn't work. This didn't work. This didn't work.
1: I um. I know a lot of people had difficulty with identity crisis. I liked it.
0: Yeah, I'll we may be in the minority on that one, but it definitely was dark as hell. Yeah. It definitely colored DC books for the next 5 or 6 years. Yep. Maybe it colored them dark to the point where that's why Dan DiO said, "All right, you know what? We need to blow up the world to do this." You know, to make things a little different. That said, It's still pretty fucking dark. I mean, I've been all the Superman issues have been he's turning into Doomsday and wants to kill. (laughs) That's Superman. That's pretty fucking dark for Superman. It's pretty
1: dark. It's yeah.
0: So yeah, and all the stuff with Wonder Woman and being tied to the gods, and you've been reading that I haven't, but there's a lot of darkness even after.
1: Right. No. um, But I I liked it as a character study. It was upsetting in some ways to to see what they did with some fairly beloved characters and how they they blew that up. Um, Killing Elongated Man and Sue Dibney and (laughs) all of that.
0: Um, Oh, and Firestorm, one of my childhood favorites. And and, and he just sort of went... That's the one thing I probably didn't like. It's like, all right, you just killed Firestorm for the sake of killing him, to show that the stakes are high. And uh, all right, I think they were pretty high when Sue Dibney is raped and murdered. The first issue of the book.
1: Yeah. Um, but I think overall it it was you know they had some stones to tell that story. It was
0: <laughs> well, yeah, and it it put a little logic behind you know some of those Justice League stories. They were name checking of oh we'll just go in and change their memories. You know we're from Justice League of America in the seventies when I was reading it. I remember them from when I was a kid, a yeah. little kid. But
1: now why does Doctor Light seem to be like a complete and absolute wuss at certain times?
0: Yeah, and. Yeah, just the idea that there were real life consequences to that, in, insofar as comic books try to be more realistic since yeah. the '80s.
1: And if you're Batman and you discover this is happening in your
0: backyard, what do you do? <laughs> yeah, no, it's. I, I get why people. There are people who le- a lot of people who legitimately hate it. I get that. Um, but I was willing to take it as you know, okay. This is an individual story. You can almost else worlds it if you want to. Yeah. You know, because for good or ill, nobody was doing shit with Firestorm at the time. Nobody was doing shit with the Elongated Man at the time. Nobody's doing anything with the Atom at the time.
1: The, this is all true. Um, on the other hand, though, it did very much, and we touched on this, change the tone to, and people bitch about Grim Gritty. <laughs> yeah. But, you know... It sells. I, there's a portion of us who who like that because we want the stories to not necessarily be, you know, fluffy comic book stories. We're in this for a character study. Um, yeah, and
0: like I said, not every book has to be for every person. There are right. certain just fun books I like. Yeah, I, I tend not to like silver agey stuff. I you know, I did a review at this point two or three years ago, the first issue of. Brubaker's Winter Soldier yeah. where there's a gorilla with a machine gun there's a huge portion of comic dumb would be like yeah gorilla with a machine gun I'm like really the tone of this book coming out of Brubaker's Captain America <laughs> this assassin trying to find his identity and his way after having been Captain America and a you, gorilla with a fucking machine gun it's not the right but po- Monkeys are funny. Monkeys are funny. <laughs> I can live a long and fulfilling life without seeing Gorilla Grod in a flash comic ever again. It's there's True Silver Agey stuff doesn't work that, for me.
1: How sad is that? Like the only place where Gorilla Grod legitimately works is on Justice League Unlimited.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but everything works on Justice League Unlimited. <laughs> Just it's say it. that fucking good. So but so yeah, it's Man, that comes through the microphone. Don't worry, Sorry. Amanda's just having a big plow of something probably alcoholic.
1: But It's got lime and ginger in it. It has to be good for me, right?
0: Yeah, sure. And bourbon. <laughs> but but yeah, the, the Silver age kind of stuff just has, has never worked for me. So because of that, I didn't really have a problem with... I'm fine with that particular story being dark, a certain amount of darkness in the DC comics that came after you can make a strong argument that it went too far with the rise of arsenal mm. and cry for justice although that's so overblown even that i have a soft spot for
1: yeah i think i feel like i have to go back and reread it cuz as i was reading it i had sort of a knee jerk eh, i'm not buying it although i love the art love the art um, yeah, which
0: one is this identity not cry identity. for justice oh yeah the the art was excellent um
1: and they they had like extended uh, Starman pantheon characters through there, well,
0: and that goes a long way with me, and that probably helped with my having a soft spot for it. Yeah. Um, I've not read it all the way through in a long time, although as I've been cataloging our collection, I've been oh, all right. Here is an issue, and go through. Yeah, it it's overblown, and you, know, you want to talk about people acting out of character in Civil War? <laughs> True, there were significant problems with that in Ollie. Cry for Justice. <laughs> yeah, um, but.
1: So all right there's there's the question if even if you're not digging an event while it's happening does time change all things?
0: You know uh, on an infinite timeline with an infinite number of readers sure it does. You know people who are late 20s early 30s now who didn't have to deal with all through their childhood, you know, oh you read Batman, you're a fag. You know, the yeah. number of times I heard that, and because of the campy stuff and Biff, Bam, Pow, yeah, yeah, they may have a certain amount of nostalgia for. Oh wow, Batman! That's not the Batman I grew up with, but that's kind of neat and fun and silly, and you know, yeah. Whereas we wouldn't put up with it in 1988. No, you know, There's more of a uh, more of a tolerance for it now. More of a, a nostalgia for it.
1: Yeah, uh, well, because I think it's easier to view it through the lens of the culture it was coming out of, it made more sense to have your superhero story as part of a psychedelic fever dream.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's probably as good a description of the Batman sixty six show as anything else. Yeah,
1: then you know, than anything else. I mean, also consider, you know, in a in a couple of years after that you've got the rise of your Spider Man in the electric company series. And if that's not acid for children to teach them how to
0: read <laughs> Yeah. And certainly, an overall grim and gritty tone going in everything nobody wants. Because another place where Spider-Man, now that you mention it, started to fall down was in the wake of Watchmen and Dark Knight. There was a stretch that really started probably with Craven's Last Hunt. Oh yeah, um, where it went really dark. And I'll stand by Craven's Last Hunt as a killer story. One of my favorite Spider-Man stories. But within a couple years, he was you know I am the Spider. It's dude. You're Peter Parker. Yeah, you're a gork from Queens, my friend. You know, wheat, wheat cakes. You yeah, yes, yeah, so we can handle certain stories of darkness, and we should. That's where Gwen Stacy's death comes from, and those kind of things pack a wallop in a book that is a little bit more lighthearted. But my God, if you're just
1: yeah, you're um, not Spawn.
0: Settle down. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody should have to be Spawn. Nobody. <laughs> So, yeah, on an infinite timeline, there's going to be a certain amount of, you know, people will look back on things at certain times more fondly or with less tolerance.
1: Yeah. But, you know, not every book is for everybody. And sometimes there will be a resurgence in a particular type of story or particular style of art, you know. Rob Liefeld had a little renaissance again, you know, a few years back and and his characters came back into various well, states of publishing
0: it's because he gave them to other people. <laughs>
1: true, but still, you know, not everything is for everybody, but they did well. The Supreme title did very well. You know, I wish Glory had a, lo- a longer run. <laughs> yeah,
0: no, and that's true. And events Certainly can be viewed through that eye. I mean, part of the problem is also events really aren't that old. I and mean, they started with yeah. Contest of Champions, and I think that was eighty three or eighty four.
1: True. So um, in the history of time, it's thirty yeah. years of events, <laughs> thirty two years of events, almost. Yeah.
0: So it's you no, know, and I I can't really look back on Contest of Champions with too much joy. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. I suppose it's a thing to always look back. You know, oh, events. They were a thing that was invented to sell toys. Yeah. That's what it was. Marvel had some kind of deal with action figures, and you know, they I forget the entire story. If you dial up Jim Shooter's blog, he talks about it. But yeah, they said, well, we want Marvel to do something with all the characters in it. So they came up with Contest of Champions.
1: Yeah. no, well, that makes sense. I mean, and I think what will happen ultimately is... The events that really don't hit and stick in the popular consciousness, regardless of how many books they sell, those are the ones that will fall away or be retconned out. Um, And the ones that do do well are the ones that will stick that you will see stronger stories being written off of.
0: Yeah, but even that gets dicey because initially everybody writes stories off of them, even though the events sort of fall away. I mean, has anything happened out of fear itself? Um, Well, I'd say the the things that
1: have stuck out of fear itself are the way that they are more likely to utilize as guardians in general in various books. I don't think that was as... You don't get Journey into Mystery if you don't have fear itself.
0: Okay. Yeah, I'll stand by that. Kieran run on Journey into Mystery yeah, being and, well worth I, it.
1: And it, the way that it... Raised the profile of Loki as a character prior to the Thor movies even coming out.
0: Yeah, all right, I, I can buy into that, but
1: I mean, because who, who, you know, uh, Thor has his fan base, um, and you know, I I read Thor a lot as a kid because I dug mythology. <laughs> yeah, um, but you know, that's that's a niche book. That's not a giant. <laughs> He, you know, when you when you look at like the DC books, you've got Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman. You know, I don't. I know recently they've been trying to position Thor as one of their big three. He's not been one of their big three. <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, with Marvel, it's Spider Man, Hulk, X Men.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I'm trying to th- think of other ones. I mean, because yeah, you know, we were talking with the owner of our local comic store not too long ago, and he said, you know, Captain America has become a bigger book, but. It's never been a huge book.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think if you're looking at just in terms of one, one for ones, Spider-Man, Hulk, and I wouldn't even necessarily throw a team as as the third book, but maybe like if you're picking a girl, like a Jean Grey, like a yeah, a Wolverine, Wolverine, right? yeah. yeah, Wolverine. So no girls, just <laughs> just those three: no. Hulk, Spidey, Wolverine.
0: <laughs> yeah. So. So yeah, I, I suppose these events can certainly put characters more front and center, but so do all the team books.
1: But that's only if they're written well. You know, if if Journey into Mystery wasn't written well, then it would have also fallen away and not gotten the same run that it did.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, it still kind of fell away.
1: Well, it fell away but... because they, they shifted the focus off of Loki and onto Sif, and then it wasn't written as well. It, so it was a double whammy of of reasons why yeah uh,
0: that's true is it katherine eminen did that yeah
1: and it, it, it did a fine enough job it's just i don't I, I think you have to make sure that if you're gonna be writing something i mean loki was little loki was a chance in and of itself but it, it sort of caught fire <laughs> yeah no it definitely did um and given that sif didn't really have a lot of visibility other than as a character in, in the Pantheon, you really, the, the Berserker storyline they took her down it was just really like, this is how you're starting. <laughs> well, uh,
0: not everything's going to work for everybody. Yeah. But, you know, any big, you know, you throw a big rock into a, a lake, some of the ripples are going to look interesting and take interesting turns. Doesn't necessarily mean you need the big rock to do it. I mean, do we really, I certainly, I, I think we agree we don't really need too many big events certainly don't need the number we're getting because they just go away and it's just one to the other to the other and eventually it all gets retconned or yeah you know certain things it, move ceases, forward.
1: it ceases to be special if it's constantly happening
0: yeah i mean i'm all for big stories yeah but they don't have to be big events that take everything up You know, the the classic Marvel big story is Galactus, and that was two and a (laughs) half issues of Fantastic Four, period.
1: Yeah, now that you mention
0: it. You know, and yeah, some of the events that I've liked recently are, yeah, like Spider Island. You know, basically self-contained. There were a few books that went in there. There was an issue of Black Panther where... (laughs) I swear to God, the only reason it was, you know, it said Spider Island on it, and I believe T'Challa had six arms. Otherwise, it had nothing to do with Spider Island. Just happened to be six arms, two dicks. Yeah, it just happened to be, you know, it's like somebody scrawled a note on the script, you know, Villa, uh, draw an extra couple arms on him. <laughs> yeah, j- just so we can say we're a part of it, and they could put Spider Island on the cover.
1: Whatever you say, man, you're right in the check.
0: <laughs> yeah, but. Yeah, I mean, another one, a big story that has worked for me on and off, and you brought it up before, was New Avengers. Yeah. Now, that's as big a story as you can get. It's four or five heroes having to deal with the constant threat of the entire universe that recently got up to the point of, we have to fight what amounts to the Justice League and destroy their world.
1: And in a lot of other seasons, that might have been the event yeah. That, that's, that's yeah, that's universe
0: level destruction. Yeah, but it's <laughs> it's one title, it's a huge story. But that's all I have to read to get it. I yeah. mean, you know, are there smaller events that you might want to see or, or what's any smaller events that you like?
1: Smaller events that I like. Um It's a good question. I mean, I I find myself reading more individual books lately. Um, you know, actually, I'm enjoying Batman Eternal. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which I, I don't know if that even class is classified as an event. It is kind of a gimmick because it's a weekly book.
0: It is, and the events that are happening are are being tied into the other Bat titles. We're going to talk about the latest Batman, yeah, pretty soon. And at least they reference it. And it gives a certain amount of motivation for what happens to that issue, even though it's not directly tied in.
1: So, you know, I'm, I'm enjoying that. I've been enjoying Grayson. I've been. <laughs> um, and that's not necessarily an event, that's just sort of his own thing. Yeah. Um, so, I, I tend to find myself enjoying more character driven stories than bombastic, world altering potential stories lately.
0: Which is fine. And we've established that within the last couple episodes that you tend to like the smaller more character based stuff anyway you know i'm the big superhero gork of the entire staff of this freaking <laughs> website <laughs> what it's got tights and a kick to the face give it to me
1: well you know that being said you know i i i've recently um had a chance to start to catch up with valiance quantum and woody um because i brought home the first trade from from comic-con uh, over in boston a couple weeks back yeah and the couple weeks will be a week last week last week good lord <laughs> it, <it's, laughs> it seems so
0: long it, it's been a rough <laughs> physically a rough month for
1: us and that is you know the story of at least in the first trade the two worst superheroes ever ever yeah. but it's fun characters And James Asmus just is having so much fun writing it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's a fun book, which uh, I had missed the original Valiant run because that was sort of during my phase of, okay, it's the 90s and we're going to start with Vertigo and pick and choose a lot of these books. So I missed it the first time around. And for good or ill, the Valiant stuff that's been coming out since they've redone it in the last couple of years, I've, I've tried a bunch of it. None of it's bad per se but none of it's really hooked me in so i missed quantum and woody when it first yeah
1: hit. i mean we tried like archer and armstrong and it was eh. yeah
0: an exo man of war and uh I bloodshot up, and
1: picked up harbinger um i feel like i need to give that another try like, it, it, it was good but then i get distracted by like life <laughs>
0: yeah. no and, and it happens and I never read a lot of the Valiant comics, like I said, in the 90s, so I don't have any history with any of these characters to be psyched about.
1: But, you know, as superhero books go, Quantum and Woody. I
0: like it, not necessarily because it's a
1: superhero book, but because the characters are fucking hysterical.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, are there any events... <laughs> Could you live a long and fulfilling life without seeing another event? I. That's a legitimate opinion. There are times I feel like that. There are times I get a kick out of things. I'm getting a kick out of original sin.
1: I like events when they feel earned. Otherwise, it just feels like a bombastic storyline followed by another bombastic storyline.
0: Okay. I mean, that's fair enough. And I think most events these days don't feel earned. Yeah. I mean, we're we're having original sin because somebody said, oh, we need an event. Yeah. And, uh, okay, this is kind of fun.
1: And uh, it, otherwise, again, given the now very corporate nature, particularly in Marvel and DC, where you know the the, the comic books have to support the the other media forms of those characters and vice versa, um, it it really more just feels like this whole thing is a giant video game, and at the end of each event, in air quotes, is the boss battle. <laughs> yeah, and and then we have a bit of a lull while we level up and then there will be another <laughs> boss battle, and so forth.
0: <laughs> Nothing but boss battles. Yeah! <laughs>
1: Nothing but boss battles. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it, I tend to agree with you. Like I said, I, I name-checked Crisis on Infinite Earths. It's really, like you said, that's the mold where the big ones have come from, and it was because yeah, we, they wanted to make a big change with how the stories were told overall, so therefore the stakes were really high. Um, and it worked in a way that Flashpoint certainly didn't for me. Now, Flashpoint yeah. was never meant initially, from what I've read, to be the thing that blows up the DCU for the new 52. It was that was Jeff Johns doing. Okay, well, when I did Green Lantern, I got to this big event. Yep. You know, that's another one that I like because that felt earned because he built it over years. Blackest Night, right? You know, going to the Sinestro Corps War, that really felt like a build into something huge. Yeah. That said, brightest day right after felt like somebody told him, "Yeah, all right, now you're gonna do another one
1: again, again."
0: Yeah, <laughs> that one did not feel earned and really did nothing for me. And right. God knows they tried. You know, all right, we're bringing back uh, John Constantine to the DC universe, <laughs> and that certainly had an effect. And they've stuck with that. Uh, didn't work for me at all. Nope. Um, so yeah, Flashpoint was just a thing he was trying to do with Flash, and it's like, okay, and can you make it so it's the end of the world after? Yeah, okay. Would. Sure. My check cash is fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, most events don't feel earned. Of uh, On the Marvel side, the one that feels the most earned in recent memory was Secret Invasion. Yeah. Um, because Bendis wound the scrolls up apparently with a lot of hints early if you go back. Um, and there was some time after that first reveal of Electra as a scroll, and that was a real wallop moment. Yeah. That was a, all right, where the fuck did this come from? Yeah, so that leading up to Secret Invasion. But again, even that one afterwards, it's like, okay, and now we go right into Dark Reign, and yep. right into Siege, and right into... And that was shit was supposed to stop with the Heroic Age.
1: Yeah.
0: And then not too long after the Heroic Age, the shit just started ramping up again.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um so again, now it it really just feels like these are these are levels in their video game. <laughs> yeah. And you don't necessarily have a sense that the stakes are are high and insurmountable because at the end of the arc, the good guys are going to win. There may be something that they have to spend some time doing surgery around because they fucked something up. Yeah. But there's no there's no stakes. <laughs> There'll be another event right after that somebody'll be resurrected, somebody'll die, somebody'll be you know shuttled off for a yeah. while
0: <laughs> and the then we can probably close it with this. The best most recent example was after Avengers versus X-Men. Cyclops is a villain. Yeah. Charles Xavier is dead. A bunch of the X-Men are on Cyclops' side. The X-Men are completely fucked. Yep. Compar- comparatively, they're on different teams. Hell, Jean Grey's dead. She's been dead for a long time, but what do we do? Why don't we just bring the original X-Men forward in time, and then we can just do a reset with these characters, and we just have them.
1: Yeah. I'm sorry. Did you want to play with Jean Grey in your sandbox? I could just buy you the action figure. Yeah. (laughs) And
0: and I like Bendis. I've been reading all new X-Men, but that just felt like a, oh, well, all right, well, why don't we just start over? Yeah. So... Yes, we still have Dark Cyclops that I'm sure will be dealt with in Axis, but uh, no we need to have a nice Cyclops no, around. We have,
1: we have Boy Scout, you know, Ramrod up his ass, Cyclops, he's still there.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Jesus, all these <laughs> shows how events don't even stick to you. A lot of that came out of Age of Ultron, which was I mean that one was so <laughs> horrific. I think I wrote at the time I don't I don't know who the protagonist of this story is. I don't know who the antagonist of this story is. I I what is this about? <laughs> I would
1: argue that um, Avengers Disassemble leading into, like, M-Day was more of an event where shit got fucked up, and it's like, all right, well, this was interesting. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That it took them a while to write their way out of. So they didn't necessarily have event, 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 event. It was, (laughs) we've got (laughs) a...
0: Yeah, Uh, well, and... That sort of also came out of left field, because Bendis got Avengers. I don't think Avengers was selling very well at the time. Bendis was still relatively new at Marvel. Yep. And he just decided, all right, I'm just, you know, he did what everybody on the schoolyard wants to do. You know who should be in the Avengers? Spider-Man and Wolverine. Well, he did a big story to make that happen. It pissed a lot of people off, but it led to some interesting shit, and it had real fallout for a while.
1: Yeah. Because with that, you know, you get Layla Miller.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But again, that one was self-contained to the Avengers, right? So,
1: but again, like, that's an example of an event that worked for me because it's like, wow, how do you?
0: <laughs> yeah, but it's one of the smaller events, you know, longer in page count because decompressed storytelling is decompressed storytelling. It's the way it is right now, whether you like it or not. But it was yep. one title. Oh, oh, um... big story, relatively small. Playground.
1: Again, uh, big event, relatively small playground because it's contained to a character or a title. Um, Planet Hulk, World War Hulk,
0: all of that. Definitely Planet Hulk, World War Hulk. They tried to make big. I had such high hopes for that. And it was yeah, sort of, well, uh, all right.
1: That was World War Hulk was less successful than Planet Hulk, but I loved the hell out of Planet Hulk.
0: That was awesome. Yeah, that <laughs> yeah, and you could you know, a lot of people complained. And the first thing when I heard about it was you know, it's just the fucking Jarella story from Bill Mantlow that I read when I was a kid. But so what. <laughs> Yeah, it was was fun, worked. Yeah. So, again, I
1: think stories that work for me on a character level where I'm going to get some payoff in terms of how the character is developed and what payoffs the character gets out of going through the events of the story work for me, as opposed to something that feels orchestrated across multiple issues, even if they're like, no, you don't have to buy all the tie-ins. I don't, but you're jamming up everybody else's um, stories, while you're trying to tell this one event.
0: Yeah. It derails everybody who's even remotely attached to it. Yeah. So, all right, I think we're probably on the same page. I'm cool with big stories. Give me big stories. They don't have to be the big crossover that everybody is involved in and, you know, have to change everybody's world. Change one character's world. Let it stick for a while.
1: Get a Rob Liefeld character. Give him feet.
0: Oh, Christ. That's just the easiest way to go. <laughs> All right.
1: Draw a foot, change the world.
0: Okay. So, <laughs> write it down. That's... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just get us sued, but whatever. <laughs> All right. So, I, I think we've exhausted just general event fatigue as much as we can. I, I always... Part of me always dreads <laughs> coming back from Comic-Con, That's just because the oh, there's not a lot of news, but the, all right, here it comes. Here's the next goddamn thing (laughs) that i got to spend the next four, five, six months assuming everybody's on time. Yeah, well, there's that. (laughs) And when it's all said and done, uh, one or two things will have changed until somebody gets tired of it. Yep. Let's talk about a couple of individual comic books. Okay. So, which one do you want to do first?
1: You know, I feel like starting with Captain Marvel is appropriate here. Um, I mean, I'm... not political i'm not a uh current events junkie news junkie but there is something to be said for a book that involves a planet scale level of civil disobedience in the face of an unrelenting dictator (laughs) that is trying to enforce a police action
0: (laughs) and a slightly trigger happy police force under a certain amount of uh, orders maybe or maybe not yeah yeah um (laughs) been an interesting week on the news but so yeah all right uh Talking about Captain Marvel 6, uh, written by Kelly Sue DeConnick, art by David Lopez. This is a conclusion of a story arc, um, so it is probably not the place to drop in if you haven't read it yet. But uh, we've got Captain Marvel uh, in space because she has recently been a member of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, She's assisting refugees on the planet Torta uh, who are being displaced by the Spartans, uh, led by Emperor. Jason, Jason. <laughs> yeah, who is Torfins, uh, <laughs> yeah, who, who is at least in the uh, standard six one six universe, uh, Star Lord's father from Guardians of the Galaxy, and a colossal dick, and a huge—he's a space dick. He is a <laughs> giant pulsar of a space dick. <laughs> um, so yeah, they've sent a huge, overwhelming armada, and it is uh, Carol Danvers against them, along with a couple outclassed space fighters. Um. And yeah, space dick Spartans all over the ground uh, dealing with the the populace and uh, leading into uh, an interesting and and only semi-violent kind of ending. I warn you right now, more spoilers will follow. (laughs)
1: More spoilers.
0: Um, But yeah, it, it was a weird book to read this week with everything on the news from from ferguson with militarized cops and people battling back against them and potential rioting in the streets while still peaceful civil disobedience was going on to read a book where yeah there's soldiers knocking down people and people trying to sit in literally
1: well it becomes weird when you know you have a book and 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 you're you're reading it and you're like huh yeah, these guys are doing the right thing. And then you, you turn on the news and there's a very similar sort of thing happening. Yeah. It's,
0: it's,
1: it's There's a cognitive dissonance there when it becomes real life.
0: Yeah, it was an interesting, purely by coincidence, this book came out this week with yeah. this going on. But uh, it was an interesting read given that. Uh, and it carried a little more weight because yeah. of it, purely by coincidence.
1: I don't think there's vibranium mines in Ferguson.
0: If there are, we're going in there. We're we're (laughs) going to rule with an iron fucking fist. (laughs) But, but, um, yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on in this book. It bounced around a lot, and I think it did it fairly effectively between Carol trying to deal with the Armada and the uh, president trying to deal with Marvel and still try to deal with uh, Jason while... People are dealing with the cops, and the cops are ready yeah. to fight back. And... Yeah,
1: there's a whole street level storyline going on.
0: Yeah, so it's it's all over the place, but it all works together. It didn't feel fragmented, or yep. you know, oh, you're trying to do too much with this. It it all worked well together, and you know, the people who were supposed to be sympathetic were definitely sympathetic. You know the one thing with this—it's clearly one-sided. You know, yeah. Jason is a space dick, and he's established this in multiple books now. <laughs> yes, and his people are clearly went through a difficult interview process with a background <laughs> check to make sure that they too are space dicks. Yeah. So
1: yeah, he he went out of his way to find all of the space dicks.
0: Exactly. He subjected them to. Like prob- there was.
1: More than like a Craigslist kind of, are you a space dick?
0: Would you like to work for other space dicks? No, he he went through problem-solving exercises to make sure that, you know, let me give you an example. If there are, you know, this many spaceships and we need to uh, split up this many theoretical resources, and as long as the dude got to truncheon at the end of it, (laughs) then he was hired. Yeah. Yeah, There
1: there was a set of words, as long as they they could tick those off in the interview...
0: (laughs) Yeah, excessive violence, truncheon, and tased taint really are the keys to getting a sweet gig with Emperor Jason. (laughs) Yeah, that's how you get the bennies. Don't think he went through Kelly services for this. (laughs) It's possible. They they may have a hired goon section. It's hard to tell. Kelly International Space Dick Services. Jason wants his people to have... Enough agency to tase the taint when they feel they need to, but not so much that they start to think, oh, maybe it's time for a soft touch.
1: Would you like to see the universe tase some taint? <laughs> Call Emperor Jason.
0: <laughs> Meet interesting taints and tase them.
1: <laughs> oh, Jesus.
0: So yeah, it's this is very clearly a good guy, bad guy space opera. And with stuff working from Joe Blow on the Street to interstellar war and tactics, and it all just hung together really well. It's not perfect. There was one point where I sure was going to go off the rails. It was where, in one panel, uh, Carol is in space dealing with the Armada, and she has an internal dialogue that says, there's one thing I can offer these people, and I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ, don't say hope. Don't say hope. Sweet release of death. For God's sake, don't say hope. But to be fair, she didn't say hope, but it was... I
1: read that completely differently. Sweet release of death. Yeah, well...
0: (laughs) Then believe me, she would have been aiming in a whole different direction. <laughs> but, but I mean, yeah, it's it was just a good, satisfying superhero book, you know, with clearly delineated helpless people and bad bad guys, and a hero trying to help the helpless and stick it to the man. Yeah, you know, and uh, yeah, I mean, uh, art wise, Lopez's stuff it, it was pretty simple. Um, it it was effective. It's you know, not a thing I would beat people out of the way to to buy at Artist Alley, but it hung together pretty well. The the one thing I did notice that was a little distracting, he he only has one like shrieky angry alien face, and he yeah. draws it over and over again, sometimes more than once in the same panel <laughs> to make things you know consistent. But you know, it generally works. These for characters, me. lovers, sisters, both. <laughs> Yeah, well, and, and that's the other thing. This book, and again, I'm saying this is a white middle aged dude. This book has come a long way for me because when it uh, in the first series uh, that came out a year or two ago, it, it really didn't connect with me because it felt at the time like deconic was really amping up. Yeah, you know, this is about girl power, and it was a story where she went back in time, and it was all her yeah. heroes and to, female pilots
1: to the point where even I was like, I'm not reading this.
0: Yeah, it's. <laughs> I continue to read it. I'm like, right, this is fine, but I, you're really hitting it on the head, and I get what you're trying to do. And hey, that's fine. um And this issue certainly was not lacking for strong female characters. The president on the ground was female and able to, you know, make solid decisions and give Captain Marvel orders and come up with strategies. The fighter pilots were fee. This yeah. is nothing but strong female characters. But it was just all in support of just a solid, fun space opera where the, the person who needs to be metaphorically kicked in the nuts gets kicked in the nuts.
1: Well, yeah, and honestly, I don't think he necessarily, at least for me, I mean, and I'm reading this as, as a, a white female, um, I didn't at any point in this feel like, huh, there's a lot of chicks in this book. <laughs> it just happens to be the crew that, that Carol is running with.
0: Yeah. It's, it, everything felt organic. Yeah. Um, And it's, this title has felt that way for a while. The, like I said, the first arc in particular felt like, all right, you're really whacking me with a message here.
1: Yeah, well, and also, it, I fell off reading that just because it got into the time travel thing with World War II, and I just could give two shits. I just <laughs> yeah. I,
0: I stuck with it through yeah. that and, but it was not long after that. It became much more of a straight ahead. It, it went into she was losing her powers for a while. Yep. Um but she spent a ton of time with Spider Woman. Um
1: which is a good pair up. They they're they well foiled to each other.
0: Yeah. But it, it became just good character work and everything was about it it started to feel it felt more. Everything is about the story, yeah. As opposed to that first arc, felt like uh, this is about the message. Yeah, you know, when the story is good, uh, the message is there if you want it or not. And, and I thought this was solid.
1: Yeah, no, I what I appreciate about this book is again, she, DeConic has done a nice job of outfitting um, Carol with a cast of characters that hangs together organically and advances the story. It's where I come back to, say, when I'm reading Wonder Woman where I'm like, why isn't this book about Wonder Woman? <laughs> yeah. It's about everybody except Wonder Woman.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. And it's part of why I, I dropped out of that really fast. I know a lot of people like Azarello's work on that just doesn't work It's, it's me.
1: a great story if you want to read about the Greek gods. It doesn't it, it could be about any character other than Wonder Woman. Yeah. <laughs> um but I think Captain Marvel here um, which is one of the things I liked about um, Keating's John on Glory, it's the same thing. They put together a cast of characters, and it's about the titular character, but the the supporting characters do their jobs well without taking away focus.
0: Yeah. it's That was about the story, and anything else was ancillary if you wanted it or not. Yeah. And I feel that way about this book. It's become definitely toward the top of my pulls yeah i'm I'm really enjoying it, and then, yeah God damn it that space dickhead had it coming
1: <laughs> yes <laughs> you
0: dick. know and, and the way it was resolved was with remarkably little violence, yeah, which was kind of interesting, you know when you've got you know captain Mar- Marvel identifies as a soldier as a warrior, and not too many people got killed in this in the face of an yeah it, an armada
1: she followed orders she she went in and she took out a mine rather than. A- you know, taking a bunch of lives.
0: Yeah, no, it was it was an interesting solution to this whole thing. I I really enjoyed this issue.
1: Good work, Kelly Sue, DeConnick.
0: Yes, and David Lopez. <laughs> and
1: David Lopez.
0: So, all right, we said we were going to talk about it. Let's talk the latest Batman. Yes, the uh, first Batman after Zero Year
1: which is a appears to be a one and done self-contained yeah, story. A,
0: this is a Batman 34. Uh the story was by Scott Snyder and Jerry uh, Dugan. Dugan uh actual script was by Dugan uh with art by Matteo uh, Scalera. Yep. Um so not Greg Capullo on this one, but the dude's been doing month after month of zero year. He needs a break just like anybody. <laughs> but uh So yeah, this uh was a one and done um so taking place in current Batman continuity. Uh, Batman suspects there's a killer preying on Do- Dr. Leslie Thompson's patients. Yep. Uh, this is Gotham City, so there is. Um, <laughs> we've got a dude killing people. Uh, guy is a grave digger at Gotham's Potter's Field, so his M.O. is dump his victims on top of a freshly dug grave with a coffin in it, fill it in, nobody knows anybody's missing. Um, so... Yeah, with everything happening in Gotham, because like uh, I said earlier on in the show, this acknowledges some of the stuff happening in uh, Batman Eternal yep. with uh, Jim Gordon being imprisoned. Uh, Batman decides, okay, I can't solve everything going on in this city right now, but by God, I can, can get, catch one fucking killer yeah, tonight. You can get this one guy. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, so
1: it, it's the conceit is this particular serial killer... Um, doesn't want to be a flates and tights kind of guy. He doesn't want to be the Joker. He doesn't want to, you know, tell riddles and leave weird calling cards. He just wants to kill people and and take pleasure in doing that because that's that's his thing. Yeah, just um, a
0: good blue collar working class psycho.
1: And and he just wants to be left to the shadows. Um, now it begs the question: Then why would you go after the patients of of Doctor Leslie Thompson, <laughs> who's got yes. a well known relationship with Batman? It's kind of like saying. You only want a little bit of attention. Yeah. Just, just enough.
0: Well, uh, the, honestly, the reason behind that was this is a one and done. Yeah. And you've got to have certain things in place. You
1: know, I'm
0: just saying. Yeah, So it was an interesting kind of departure. I mean, the, the killer flat out at one point when confronted by Batman says, no, you're not supposed to notice me. You're not supposed to notice any of us who aren't running around. Yeah. You know, cackling and chucking fish bombs. joker fish yeah. <laughs> yeah so um yeah one of the things i liked about this this is a detective story it's not the best detective story in the world but it's not a batman kicking ass story so it really focused on the detective pieces you know? right um
1: yeah like he was able to to point out to the killer no i know you're dropping the bodies in potter's field because of the mud on your shoes
0: uh, yeah and even that that is a conceit that it, that's at least as old as the Batman 66 show, you know. Run analyze- the soil
1: analysis to the bat computer.
0: Yeah, and, you know, there were leaps in logic there. Um, you know, there's a random dog at the scene, so he assumes this dog is enough of a tracker to help track down the killer. Sure, why not? Yeah, I, I had a dog growing up. He he couldn't track his own ass if you turned him halfway around. Good dog. <laughs> Wasn't chasing killers. He caught a bee once, and I think it taught him a lesson. But, um... But it, it was still nice to see the detective part emphasized. He's really chasing down leads. Um, now, again, with that said, it's not the best story. The The story opens with Batman warning Dr. Tompkins, Yet you have to warn your patients that there might be a killer tracking them. So yes. he knows to start with. And then he follows all these leads and then circles straight back to Dr. Tompkins' office to try and catch the killer. Now, by doing that, potentially he allowed at least one person to get killed. But yeah, but it's also, yeah, and I get. You got to fill up the story having him start there and just start a stakeout. You know, stakeouts are boring. <laughs> you, you don't want five pages of Batman in a mask just waiting for the killer to show up. But to be fair, you know, it's, it's
1: Batman dressed up as a lady. <laughs>
0: That's, that, that's one thing I didn't like, just, uh, oh, digital mask off. No, Batman's a master of disguise. That's always been part of it. Yeah. You know? Now, granted, sometimes those disguises are stupid. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to put on a fake stash, stick a match in my mouth, and ooh, I'm a well-regarded gangster who's only ever seen just before Batman busts somebody.
1: Well, you know, it's it's like in Superman, like, oh, if I put on glasses, nobody will know. <laughs> yeah,
0: but nobody ever said Superman's a master of disguise. Batman, part of his thing is... Master of disguise, so digital mask, just okay. Yeah, it gets things done in a panel.
1: I I guess I always read into it that perhaps he was yeah, doing more with his body language and or voice to try to sell it beyond just a couple of physical affectations. I certainly
0: hope so, because otherwise, yeah, Doctor Thompsons must smoke like fifteen packs a day for Batman to <laughs> pass as her. But but uh. But yeah, I mean, if you think about it, just to hammer home, it's a Batman story. There is one punch in this story, yeah, and it takes place off-panel, yeah, Yeah, you know, which really just shows Dugan and uh, Scalera were working together to show that the this isn't about Batman kicking ass. Of course, he can kick some dork's ass, yeah. You know, his weapon is a shovel, <laughs> but um, and, and yeah, that whole conclusion where. Batman takes his need to be anonymous, and by taking him to Arkham Asylum and sticking him in the Joker cell and basically <laughs> elevating him to, oh no, everybody's going to know your name, motherfucker. Including it, the Joker.
1: Ha! <laughs>
0: yeah. The, it was just kind of a cool way for Batman to brutalize a criminal without beating on him. It, it, it felt like a very clever ending to me.
1: Yeah. And, you know, this gets into, I think, for me, a, a conversation that we had the other night in terms of... I like character-driven books. Um, yep. If I haven't made that abundantly clear in this particular episode. Mm. Um, one of the characters I feel that is um, not being utilized, perhaps, to its potential in the, the Bat Family-verse is uh, James Gordon Jr. I feel like because the focus is always on this has to be Barbara's villain... um Yeah that there's so much more that they could be doing with him in the larger bat stories. And he's a serial killer who's brilliant and could profile you. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Who has the potential to also be able to work quietly in the shadows. And, you know, for a while they stuck him on Suicide Squad, um, idolizing Waller. (laughs) Yeah, well... And then that kind (laughs) of went away. Um, Why do we not have, like, a really good, lengthy not necessarily Barbara Gor- Gordon-centric story where, like, it's Batman versus James Gordon Jr. Oh, um,
0: and see, yeah, we talked about that the, the other night, and it's killing me, because most of those issues, um, and I say those issues, uh, as far as I know, Gordon Jr. was brought back after year one by Scott Snyder and Jock yep. in Detective Comics before the new 52 and in that long box over there getting ready to go to storage <laughs> are all those fucking issues. And I meant to reread them, you know, to to just refresh my memory about what Snyder did with that character, because clearly Detective Comics, more of a Batman based story. But at this point, it's been four years since I read them. Yeah, I remember enjoying it. But
1: but just in terms of, you know, there's there's a potential there to ha- to tell a subtle, deeply spooky character driven story, Um, you know, what happens when the profiler turns out to be the criminal? Yeah. And and has the capacity for quiet wet work.
0: Yeah, no, that could absolutely <laughs> be good. But yeah, instead he was on the suicide squad and I mean he's certainly still out there. I mean, as far as I know, I have not read the latest Batgirl. I know it's downstairs someplace, but as far as I know, everybody still thinks he's dead except the Suicide Squad. Right. Yeah, he could certainly come back somewhere. Have him come back somewhere else where Batman isn't. Yeah. Yeah, I I'm not sure who would be a good fit for that kind of story other than Batman. That's kind of the gimme or the Bat family, but
1: Well, I mean, have him show up maybe in Europe and Dick Grayson comes across him in his travels or something.
0: <laughs> yeah, but he's not going to fool anybody cuz he knows who yeah. Jim Gordon Jr. is.
1: That's true. I I I think it has to be a Batman story. I again, I feel like they go out of their way to try to keep him it orbiting Barbara
0: Gordon because siblings Yeah. Well let's also be fair. Um Batman Eternal is still ongoing and I have not gotten to the that latest issue. Mm. Gordon Jr. is a part of that. That's true. You know, he confronted his father in prison and said he would let him you know release him basically. So he could So his dad
1: knows he's still alive
0: now. Yeah. So he could be a large part of Batman Eternal we just don't know yet and why not? They've already sort of name checked Deacon Blackfire. Why not bring back fucking
1: Yeah. I mean, I think also though in my mind in terms of, you know, stories I would like to see that aren't necessarily events but could potentially be epic. And I I feel like you could do a really good dark short 6 to 8 issue arc that's just told from James Gordon Jr.'s point of view. They did it for the
0: Penguin, you know, for four issues. Yeah. Um that's- that's true. And somebody trying to evade Batman where Batman is in the background and closing in. Yeah, that could be really interesting.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, it, I was thinking like, oh, God, if they could just get like, you know, Ben Temple Smith to do the art. And... <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: who'd you get to write it? Um, I mean, Snyder's kind of the gimme because he brought the character back.
1: Snyder certainly could do justice to the character. He 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 knows how to walk the line between, you know, like a, a horror comic which kind of necessitates being a horror comic being a, a serial killer, but um also needs to have that crime piece to it. I kind of feel like Greg Rucka might do a really good job. <laughs> the man
0: does a good crime comic.
1: Um I I also think that um Ed Brubaker would do a nice job as well because he he also has demonstrated he can do that sort of
0: noir piece. He definitely can, but yeah, and certainly he did noir and horror with Fatal. But with that, the the horror was mostly off stage in the background. Yeah, you know, with the older Gods, you don't show them up front. Yeah, it's, it's, so you you show the horror coming in from the edges to focus directly on the killer.
1: Kyle Higgins also might do a nice job with it, honestly. That's true. Cuz he he does a really nice job getting in a character's head. Yeah, he he's and finding a way to make it personal.
0: Yeah, you and I agree he's done the best death stroke probably in the last 10 years. Yeah. So, yeah, I could see that.
1: So anyway, that's based on based on this one and done. I I enjoyed it cuz I also like stories that are self-contained. It's nice to just have a breather. Here's a
0: story. Yeah, cuz we <laughs> we talked about it a little bit earlier. It, it's been a lot of events in Batman since the new 52. So yeah, it's it's nice to have a a one and done cuz there've really only been there's that two or three issue arc with Clayface in between Death of the Family and Zero Year, but other than that when it comes to the main title, it's been a lot of long arcs. Yeah,
1: but it also made me think about the potential for, you know, what if in the Batman verse we just had a guy working subtly, quietly,
0: horribly. <laughs> yeah, no, that could definitely be fun. But also uh, on this particular issue, art-wise, um, yeah, Scalera's stuff is kind of stylized a little yeah. more angular and sketch-like than Capullo's. I, I really like Capullo as a Batman artist, but Zero Year had so much kind of brightness to a lot of it. You know, with different kind of colors in it. It's sort of nice to get um, and uh, to get. Uh, a dark, kind of sketchy Batman, at least for an issue or two. Well, it's, you know, it's urban, sort of... Urban blight, if you will.
1: It's funny that you should mention that, because I, 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 he's not responsible for the color.
0: No, it was uh, Lee... Uh, I'll never pronounce this right. Lowridge? Lowridge? Yeah. Uh, did the colors. Who did is with... also
1: responsible for the colors in um, Captain Marvel book. Really? <laughs> yep. All right. <laughs> so... Um... And in that book, I don't think you can accuse of being dark. That's that's a bright yeah.
0: bright book. No, definitely. So,
1: so I mean, I think it it shows his his range as a colorist. Good on you, sir. Um, Could be her, Lee. You never know. Him
0: <laughs> should have Googled
1: it. Shit. But um, it, two two very different art styles that are that are um, made that much more um, sharp and striking by the
0: work of the colorist. Yeah, I got to start paying more attention to that. See, I'm, <laughs> again, I, I'm old enough that, yeah, back in the day it was writer, penciler, sometimes inker. Yeah. You know, the, the colorist always got shafted. only colorist I could name by name is Lynn Varley, and only because she was the colorist on all of Miller's stuff and yeah. got a huge credit because of it. Yeah, um, okay. I got to start paying more attention to that shit. I'm a failure as a human being. You're not a failure. I'm a big blump. What is it? What do we blurp. call it? Blurp. I'm a big <laughs> blurp.
1: Big blurp of a podcaster. Oh,
0: Christ. <laughs> We've descended into insulting ourselves with words that don't exist. It's time to wrap it. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. We're it's a, Miller time. We're in an hour and a half. It is time to <laughs> stick a pin in this. So, yes, thank you uh for listening. You can. uh Find us at our uh, home website, crisisoninfinitemidlives.com. You can email us at crisisoninfinitemidlives at gmail.com. We are on Twitter. We are. I never remember the Twitter handle. I just pressed the button. At Infinite Midlife. At Infinite Midlife. Um, Yep, we are uh, proud members of the Comics Podcast Network. We are. You can certainly find us there. A lot of people have been, which... And thank you. Yes, very exciting. Uh, and we're in all the usual shitholes. We're on iTunes. You'll if,
1: be seeing us in all the old familiar shitholes. Yes, but
0: if, <laughs> if you found us on one of those, uh, yeah, do us a favor. Yeah, Chuck us a review. Um, yeah, give us a rating. Yeah, we're very clearly making this up as we go along, yep. so it would be nice to hear what you think works and what you think doesn't. <laughs> the entire show is not productive feedback for us. But,
1: <laughs> Please be specific with your insults. Yes,
0: so... <laughs> And yes, hopefully in the coming weeks there will be more actual comics news that we can actually talk about. At the
1: very but least, there will be a comics movie that we can talk about next week.
0: That's true. Next week should be pretty full, and hopefully we'll have a, a guest or two to break up our, our stupid fucking voices. <laughs> <laughs> our All big right. big blurp of voices. Big blurp of voices, Jesus. All right, that's it. <laughs> We're done. This has been the Crisis on Infinite Midlife Show, episode 30. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. <laughs> Thanks for listening, and uh, check you next time. Blurp. That's going to be on my fucking gravestone now. I know it. Blurp rhymes with derp. (laughs) Christ, I need pills. (laughs)